Well, welcome to another episode of See Here Love. It's great to have you with me today as I have an inspiring conversation across the pond, if I can say, uh, to Hawaii with Mike Kai. Mike, uh, from humble beginnings, started a 40-member church and now leads Hawaii's largest congregation and co-founded the Inspire Collective. Mike, my guest today, is passionate about building leaders and cultures that last. Uh, in 2019, he launched the Influencers Network aimed at equipping business leaders and executives globally with leadership tools through professional exchange. And him and his wife, Lisa, uh, live in Honolulu and are the proud parents of three daughters and two grandchildren. Mike has traveled to speak at conferences and to congregations all over the world and conducts pastors and leaders roundtables nationally and internationally. And I talked to him about his latest book called That Doesn't Just Happen, How Excellence Accelerates Everything, what it means to be an excellent uh, a leader and how we can develop our teams with excellence. And he also talks to me about being a single dad, about blended family, and the best part, karaoke. So get ready for my conversation with Mike Kai. Well, joining me today, Mike Kai. Mike, so great to have you here for that really the first time and meeting you here on See Here Love. So welcome. Melinda, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here all the way from Hawaii to Canada. We've got a, I, I'm sure there's a connection somewhere. There's, well, and if not, there will be. Maybe there'll be a See Here Love, Mike, Hawaii one day. Um, yeah. I've only been to Hawaii once when I was a young girl, 16 years old. My parents were missionaries in in the Philippines and we were coming back into Canada for a furlough and we um, stopped and stayed in Honolulu, the Rainbow Hotel, the famous Rainbow, right? Is it the Rainbow that's Hotel? That's the Sheraton. Sheraton? Yeah. No, that's the Hilton. That's the Hilton Hawaiian Village. Okay. Yeah, so that's where we stayed. Really great memories of, of my time there. But I, you know, I haven't been back since. So uh, it was just a few years ago. <laughs> but well, I need to you go gotta back. come back. You need to come okay. back. And you know, the, here's the connection. Um, okay. My family's from the Philippines. Um, my oh. my grand, one set of grandparents is from Iloko Sur, and another set of grandparents are from Cebu. And yeah. so um, years ago, I, I reconnected after going there. I spent a whole month in, in the Philippines uh, when I was a kid and absolutely loved it. And so uh, about eight years ago, we planted a church in Metro Manila. Uh, called Inspire Metro Manila. So I, we, we were going back pre-pandemic twice a, twice a year to, to the Philippines. I love it. It's in my heart. Wow, that's amazing. I, I love when people love the Philippines. I mean, I grew up there, then Singapore, and then I came, I came wow. to Canada when I was, a, when I was um, a teenager. So that's amazing. So we did know there was a connection. Uh, yep. So I want to know a little bit more about you. I know our viewers and listeners might want to know about you because you have quite the story before you kind of ended up in, in this place of leadership and conferences and books, you know, I always love to know kind of where you began before you got to this, this stage in your life. So mm. why don't you bring us back as a, a young boy, uh, your life, um, you know, single dad, and let's go with that. And then I want to talk about you finding Jesus, but yeah, let's start from the yeah. beginning. <laughs> Well, it goes all the way back to a small town in Hawaii um, called Honoka'a on the big island. So we have eight major islands in Hawaii. And I grew up on the biggest island with the, one of the smallest populations. Um, small town. Um, mom was a homemaker until the kids started eating more and we hit adolescence. Um, I have two brothers and a sister. I'm the middle child, classic middle child, because my brother was older. He got all the brand new clothes. I got his hand-me-downs after me's a sister. So she got everything brand new. Then I got a baby brother and the fashion was gone because he was four years uh, younger than me. So um, classic under, uh, overachiever, small, short at the time. Um, and, um, and, and great childhood though. I, my mom and dad were, they were awesome and I'm grateful for them. Mm -hmm. They brought us up in the church. Um, not the kind of church that I lead today. Um, but I'm grateful for my religious heritage that mom and dad instilled in us as little children. And, um, and so, you know, I was I played all four sports. Um, 
liked a lot of girls. The girls didn't really like me back then because I was, <laughs> I was, I was a little short. Um, and, uh, you know, coulda, shoulda, woulda, that's my, that's the story of my life. Um, I graduate from high school, Melinda, in the late eighties and I'm gonna leave it there. Okay. Uh, mid to late eighties. And, um, probably the best era of music of all time, I must say. And, um, and, and, and I, I left, I left for the big city to go to the University of Hawaii. And so I go from a graduating class of 110 people um, to a college class with 2000 people in an auditorium. And I am absolutely lost. I don't know the streets. Uh, these look like my people, but I'm not feeling like they're my people. I feel like an outsider um, from the sticks. And then I, I end up playing basketball every single day. I'm in the Air Force ROTC program because that was my ultimate goal was to go into the Air Force. Um, and so, but, you know, I wasn't real, real studious. I wasn't real serious. I did just enough to get by. Um, and then I fell in love. First girlfriend, hit it hard and um, didn't know how to handle that very, very well. Um, of course, there's no God in my life at that time. And... Um, and I'm, in, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my own thing. And then so all of a sudden, of course, not that doesn't just happen, but I find out that I'm going to be a, a young father. Um, and so now at the age of 19, uh, hit upside the two by four of reality, I uh, have to tell my parents and my mom is just devastated, um, devastated because she had greater goals for her son than to all of a sudden um, his life be the way that it's going to be. She knew that all of a sudden it's going to be the hardest path that you picked um, and this is the road. So I quit school right away at the university in my sophomore year of college. Um, wow. You know, cue Kenny Chesney's There Goes there goes My Everything, right? And um, that was a soundtrack, if that was a soundtrack at the time. Mm -hmm. But you know what is a silver lining? Um, even though it became the hardest days of my life at that moment, uh, from finding out that you're going to be a father, then nine months later did you actually um, bring a little baby into this world. Her name, her name is Courtney. And her mother and I did the best that we could. And I quit school. I went to work at a pizza hut and a shell gas station. Nothing wrong with those two jobs, but um, two part-time jobs make barely one full-time job. And um, by then I'm going, is this where my life is? Is this, is this all that there is? Um, she and I, it was difficult. Let's put it that way. And I was difficult and it was a complicated situation. I was a young man that lost his purpose. Um, lost his goals, lost his dreams. But the reality is I have this two-year-old girl that I have to take care of. And so at the age of 19, we get married because I knew that that was the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. There's no God in our relationship. She got her baggage. I got mine. Mm -hmm. um, this is the mid, this is the early 90s. And now we don't even know how to make this thing work. Um, we're not calling the right people for help. We're seeking the wrong counsel. And um, then we're separated. But at the age of 21, I'm now a single father raising Courtney by myself. And um, so she went in her opposite direction. Um, it was in that time, though, that I'm jumping from one job to the next. Oh, yeah, I make $10 more in tips at that place. And so I jumped there. $20 more tips in that place, that restaurant. I jumped there. And then finally, my friends at this one historic restaurant called The Willows, they, they took me under their wing and they said, Mike, read this book. Hey, Mike, read this. And hey, would you want to come to church? And I didn't want to go to church because that was the last thing that I wanted to do because I, I didn't know what I needed. I just knew that I needed help. And so they would say, come to my church and bug me to the point of like, get off my back. You know what I mean? Like, leave me alone. Yeah. And they could see my life just going down. They saw that I was angry. They saw that. Uh, Melinda, at that time, I say that I was, I was probably homicidal and probably suicidal. Really? And so, yeah. Yeah, it was that deep dark. at that time of my life. It was a dark time. And um, they saw it. They knew that Jesus was the answer. They knew that if they could get me to the church. And so they started telling me, come to my church. So I finally, to get them off my back, I said, okay, so tell me about your church. Well, it's got drums and guitars. What? What church has drums and guitars? I'm like, are you serious? And then tell me more. Well, the, what is the minister? What does he look like? What is, who is he? The minister? Well, he's a pastor. He preaches, he preaches from a Bible. What? You preach from a Bible? You got guitars? You got drums? He goes, yeah, and there's young people. It's cool. You'd like it, Mike. And I said, that doesn't sound like a church to me. That sounds like a cult. And he says, no, it's not a cult. It's a church. You got to come. And finally, I knew I had nothing better. And I'd give it one last shot and get them off my back and just keep on going with the path that I'm on. And I walk into that cafeteria converted to a church. 
I see the overhead projector, people clapping in unison. This is like a non-Christian mind walking into a Christian venue. Yeah, yeah. People are clapping in unison. Hmm. <laughs> oh, overhead projector with worship words on it. I can't even, never said those words in my life. Yeah. And I was a big karaoke singer, believe it or not, that in my younger days to drown my sorrows, I would go to the karaoke or karaoke as we call it in Hawaii. I think it's the right way. Karaoke. <laughs> Went to the karaoke bars and where back in the day when you had a big um, lanyard binder and yep. pick a song, you go a up song, to the DJ. Yeah. I yeah, bend. give him your number. <laughs> Pay the dollar. Yeah. And and I would sing. People would give me the dollar to sing for them, and I would sing Unchained Melody. I would oh. sing Al Green, Let's Stay Together. I would sing all these different songs, and oh, really? then when I walk in, yeah. Well, you know what? When I did mine, Mike, I was always my clap. My two things. Okay, this is this tells you. Um, <laughs> Lady <laughs> in Red, Krista Berg. <laughs> oh yes. And ready and. Crazy for you, Madonna. Those are my oh. two kind of like, like my two songs oh. that I would, I would pull out when it was like, you know, I had to go in and and do the karaoke. Uh, I'm not saying that the way same you, you do, but it was. I got the words for songs. all those songs. <laughs> or trying or hard to control young, my heart. Sorry. Yeah, forever young, Alphaville. Those sorry, those were the three. <laughs> <laughs> forever young, I would be forever young, Alphaville. Crazy for uh, you, Madonna, and Krista Berg, Lady in Red. My my three. Oh, come on. My three go-to's. Yeah. Oh, I, Sorry, I, I, my I sister from. A, I'm like, I, this I, is I, my I, sister I, from another Mister. I can <laughs> I can tell. I can tell. Everybody has their their song, your go-to, in karaoke. Anyway, absolutely. sorry, I didn't mean to. Absolutely, just, it, it started coming coming back to me. Yeah. That's good. I like yeah. this, and so, <laughs> so that's so. So I walk into I walk into the, the service, and I'm super nervous. And they take Courtney one way, they take me the other way. Mm -hmm. Someone sits me in the second row. I'm like, who sits the new guy in the second row? And I'm sitting in the second row, and I'm looking at these overhead projector words, and they're flipping them. And you know what they look like to the non-Christian mind? They look like love songs or love a Lionel Richie love ballad to Jesus. That's mm -hmm. that's how I received it. And at that moment, they had me at probably song two. And I'm in there. I don't know what to do with my hands, but people, their hands are raised. I think they're Jesus freaks. I don't know how to receive this, but God is doing something. And he starts ministering to me by the end of that service. I don't even know what pastor preached. All I know is I gave my life to the Lord that day. Wow. I'm 21 years old. I walk in with this heavy heart. I walk out with hope. I walk out with maybe there's a miracle. Um, but I walk mm -hmm. out with maybe the, my external circumstances did not change, but God changed me at that moment as I articulate my past. And as I began to see that I walked out of that room, I knew that God was with me for the very first time. All of this training that I had in religion and catechism now starts to converge. And now I start to realize, wow, all that my mom and dad brought me up with, now it makes sense. It went, was all here. I could memorize it. I could repeat it. But now all of a sudden it went to here. Mm -hmm. And then my life is not going to be the same. Now I waited and I prayed and I wanted a miracle. And by then I got a great job at American Airlines. And, and, um, and it, which made it probably more difficult because of the flight benefits and me staying in Hawaii and her trying to move on with her life. And, and I waited for three years. And in that three-year wait, God was changing me. And um, in that three-year wait, I'm waiting for a miracle. But in that three years, Melinda, I was single. Um, but I was a single father, but I was still faithful. I wore my ring. Um, mm -hmm. I did not date and I was single and I was celibate and I was waiting. Um, when the writing was on the wall that it wasn't going to happen, which was probably the saddest point was when I realized it's not going to happen. It's, it, it's not. It's not. Mm -hmm. I've done everything. I would do everything. I would do anything. But when I realized that the writing was definitely on the wall, um, it was at that point where I said, OK, um, I got to take care of Courtney. It's triage time again. Um, and so I'm going to be married to Jesus for one more year because I need healing. I need wholeness. I need to get some more work, more therapy, uh, counseling, uh, more connect group, more community, more Bible, more prayer, um, and work hard and just hustle, work hard. And by then I'm a salesman, uh, selling bottled water, five gallons. I'm working a job. Water? The Fiji water? No, no, I'm selling, it's called, it was called Menehuni water. Oh, and, sorry, sorry, because yeah, I yeah. <laughs> yeah, this big five-gallon buck, you know, you know, the five-gallon yeah, type. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I'd sell, I'd sell that to homes and people would buy them. I give you, if you buy two, I give you three for free, rent the cooler, that deal. And then I'm working as a valley at night where my friends help wow. me to find Jesus. And, um, and in, in that time of just being married to Jesus for one more year. And at the end of that one year, I said, okay, I need a wife. My daughter needs a mother and I cannot go looking to the old places and I can't go creeping at church. So Lord, if you could bring her to me, you have to reveal her to me. I know what I want. And I heard a pastor named Jack Hayford, who's still alive to this day and who's become a good friend and a distant mentor now because I, I have, I've lost touch with him over COVID. But Jack, Pastor Jack Hayford would say, pray specifically. But I was like, well, who am I to ask anything specifically for God? I'm just grateful to have what I have. He says, no, just pray specifically and ask God. So I prayed specifically, Melinda. I said, Lord, and I'm not kidding, but this sounds funny. But I said, Lord, if I can ever get married again, um, can she be five foot seven? Five foot seven. Because I didn't want short kids because I remember what it was like being short. <laughs> so I, I don't want, if I got a son, he needs to be taller than I was. I'm six feet, but I need a, I need a taller son. I said, five foot seven. Secondly, can she be gorgeous Chinese? Gorgeous Chinese. Because I... I'm attracted, and I think that we would make beautiful babies together, so she's got to be gorgeous Chinese. And then here's number three, Lord. She's got to love Jesus more than me, more than me. She's got to have a love for Jesus that is beyond my love for Jesus. And Because if, if she loves Jesus, we'll make it through anything. We'll make it through anything. Mm -hmm. And um, there she was but within a few months. Uh, I, oh. went to a, 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 <laughs> yes. I went to a young adult's Christmas party. When, Melinda, I didn't feel like a young adult. I felt like an old man in a 26-year-old. Well, father. You were actually, right. like, had experienced things that are way beyond the young adults had experienced, right? The, your peers. Totally. For sure. Totally. My friends are talking about rims and stereos, and I'm thinking about, you know, babysitting and how am I going to afford that. Formula. Yeah, okay, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Got it. And so... There she was at a young adult's Christmas party that I went to. I got dragged to by my friends from church. You got to come. And I, I don't want to go. Okay, I go. And there she is. She's sitting at the table and the registration table. She's working for the church. I didn't realize it. And, um, and I might have seen her one time, but I didn't take a second look because, I, because of my circumstance. Mm -hmm. And there she was. And I said, I, I can't tell if she's Chinese. I can't tell if she's Korean. I can't tell if she's Japanese. She's close enough. I'll take it. <laughs> and... Um, and we made friends that night and and then we talked and we grouped eight at a at a equivalent of denny's in hawaii and she called me the next day and um there was no caller screening there was no caller id there was just a you know just one of those phones where you pick it up and surprise who who's on the other line and it was her and wow. she asked me out and i was like wow these girls move fast <laughs> and um thank god you, she did know, though like for all the other people it's like can that actually happen? Because there's a ton of single people out there going, you know, it's not everybody's story, but, you know, people are like, can you actually kind of like ask God for, you know, your partner, for your, you know, right. you know, spouse, your future spouse? And that's an interesting question because I think for some people it's, it's worked and there's others who are like, I've been praying this for years and it seems like it, it's not happening. I, I totally understand. Um, I tell people, young adults in my church, I said, you got to know what you want first and you have to be patient and you have to, mm -hmm. because I think we spend so much time praying about what we, where we want to work and where we want to live rather than who we want to spend the rest of our lives with. And so I would pray specifically. I would, I would encourage anybody pray specifically, but be open, be open to what God has because mm -hmm. you never know. Um, what he has for you and so lisa and i have been married for 28 years we just celebrated it this past month congratulations and 28 awesome. years wow praise the lord yeah that's yeah. amazing that's amazing <laughs> you know mike back to the story i find that this is really important because i don't want to lose sight of this part of your story okay because i get this too because it's part of my story just about the friends that were relentless and were for you mm -hmm. uh, and, I, and because i was i've been thinking a lot about that because uh you know, just talking actually to um, our associate producer Becca before our interview, and how we've 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 made our faith and our life very individualistic. It's about me, and I could either do it on my own, or I don't need other people, or right. that. But we need one another, and I, I want to like reiterate it again to our viewers and listeners: like we need actually one another to help one another in this journey. We can't do life alone, um, and so. 
I'm just really thankful for your friends who ate and give up on you, but also like were annoying and said, no, you've got to come to church. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I wanted to speak into a little bit about that because yeah, I, I'm, I'm really big on that. I find that there's way more individualism and, you know, kind of like I, I can do it. I don't need help. You know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that mm-hmm. just for a little bit, about the importance of community and friends and, and either receiving the friendship or actually being a good friend. Right. How Absolutely. I love that because if I look at um, different groups of friends that I had that, at that time, I had Brandon and then I had Mark. And even though Mark didn't go to church, Mark was always checking in on me. And even though Brandon did go to church and I worked with Brandon um, and, and Ken, and to this day, I'm still friends with Ken and, and Brandon, and I've lost touch, a little bit of touch with Mark. And we show up and he shows up to the gym and plays basketball every now and then I see him. I was that friend in Mark chapter two that was the paralyzed man on the mat. And it took mm-hmm. four guys to get me there. Mm-hmm. And when I got to the house and the house was packed and everybody went there for different reasons. They wanted to hear Jesus. They, they, the, the, the rabbis were inside trying to stomp Jesus. They were trying to um, entrap him. Uh, yet everybody packed the house for one different reason. But my friends came and they knew that it, that it would take maybe an un- unconventional way to get Mike to church because <laughs> of Mike's attitude, Mike's situation. Um, and maybe we're going to do it a different way. And they did. And I'm grateful for them because they loved me on my journey, even though at times I was unlovable. Mm-hmm. I was upset with w- the way things were going in my life, where, where they were headed. And so when they brought me, they didn't just leave me at the doorstep. Um, they actually journeyed with me through the whole thing. And you don't, you know, you don't have a 35 year or 30 year friendship like that. Um, that doesn't, that, that doesn't leave an impact on you. Mm -hmm. Ken now lives in, in Boulder, Colorado, where he's crushing life. And then my friend Brandon works down at the docks and he's doing amazing things down in Honolulu. And we still have this connection. And it, 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 if they had left me alone to my own self, um, I, I know this for sure. Courtney kept me alive. Um, mm. Courtney kept me from doing s- some crazy things because I knew that this little girl needed me. Um, even though I was at times during that 21-year-old to 23-year phase, probably self-destructive. I could have been. Um, and so because of them... I did not take my life because of them. I grew in my relationship with Christ because they introduced me to him. And there are people right now in our lives that all they need is a text. All they need is a checkup. Mm-hmm. All they need is a call. All, and, and sometimes we forget because people right now, we're more isolated than ever before yeah. and individualistic than we've ever been before because of what's happened. But I think those people are the ones that we, we, we pick up the phone and we, we reach out to people because they need us now more than ever before. And I'm so mm-hmm. grateful for my friends and what they did for me. And, and now I'm that friend. To this day, I'm still texting people, at least 20 texts <laughs> a week, just checking in. And I'm yeah. busy, but I'm doing it because you never know. You just never know. I know, I love that. I mean, and even through my own journey, Mike, uh, mm. it was always my, you know, my family was strong and supportive. I had a great, you know, counselor and therapist, but my girlfriends were the ones who, you know, when I went through depression, they're coming into the house cleaning and throwing me into the wow. shower or when I went through a very public divorce when my husband mm. left they were the ones who had my back and made sure that I was protected and safe and that I would continue on so you know I'm, I'm big on community having your people and, and being a good friend too I mean I've received great friendship so yeah. you know part of my own life um, and you know my my husband and I now it's all about building friendship and community uh, for others. So I really, I really love that part of your story. I think that's that's really beautiful, and especially for guys to really kind of rally like that. It, it's it's yeah. really, it's really encouraging to hear. Really encouraging to hear. So twenty six years, twenty six years, twenty eight, no, twenty eight years. Sorry, twenty eight years. Wow, it's amazing. I'm actually this Friday. Chris and I celebrate our five year. Congratulations, in blended family. Thank you. So that's big. And, and Mike, another time I'll tell you about how I specifically prayed for not a Chris. Everything about Chris, I said, God, I don't want. And then Chris is mm. everything I said I don't want, but it's everything that I need. So that was funny. <laughs> that was a good trickster God. I mean, not a trickster. <laughs> funny, funny, because I literally, my therapist had me write it all down. 
and everything. I was like, I don't want a worship leader. I don't want a pastor. I don't want a guy with kids. I don't want a guy in skinny jeans. I don't like, I literally <laughs> like that. And then it's Chris. And yet Chris is, is perfect compliment uh, in every way to me as partners. So anyway, it's, it's a great story. So awesome. Okay. 28 years. How's Courtney? I'd love to know how's Courtney and in, in all of, all of this with, with Cor- you and you know, the to- new mom. Today, Courtney is amazing. Okay. Today, she's amazing. She's a mother of two beautiful children. They're beautiful, a great husband. She works for a very reputable company. It's called Brand Live. She works for a company called Brand Live. She's one of the top executives mm-hmm. there. I am so proud of her. Let's back up the story a little bit. And um, when, we, when we, Lisa and I got married, the blended family thing for us was hard. Yeah. And it was hard because... Courtney was still young and she had enough pain in her life from her mom not being there. And so Lisa stepped into a void of, um, she probably had no idea what she was saying yes to because we were a package. Mm -hmm. We were a package. You can't separate me from Courtney and, and all of this, you're going to have to take all of this and, and, and we're a work in progress. And so is she, so is my wife, Lisa. Mm -hmm. And so I marry into a beautiful um, Chinese woman that is learning beautiful gorgeous learning how to be affectionate to this italian filipino hawaiian kid you know what i'm saying and um and where you know the italian side is expressive the filipino side is expressive the hawaiian side is loving and then i've I've got some sensitivities at the same time and a little bit of wounds a lot Mm -hmm. let's talk about a lot of wounds and then we've got this girl that needs help Mm -hmm. and so the first couple of years was rough it was rough being a blended family Mm -hmm. and then the teenage years got even harder, yeah. harder. And can I get just, let me just get real. Yeah, and, please. And because we're on the other side of victory. Mm-hmm. So because we're on the other side of victory, I, I want to say that it was hard between her sophomore year and her senior year of high school. And then actually what got to a place that when she moved to Portland, Oregon to go live with my mom and dad who had relocated, um, I don't share this on any other podcast, but I feel led to share it on this podcast. Mm-hmm that there were times that I would go to bed not knowing where she was because you had no iPhones back then. You just, you know, you had a Nokia. Mm-hmm. And I'd go to bed crying at night and I'd wake up in the morning crying again mm-hmm. and going, I don't know how to get, get a hold of her. I don't know how to get, a t- get in touch with her. Um, my parents didn't know where she was. She was with, running off with friends. And, some, and I forget how we reconnected. We made contact again. And the Lord told me that Courtney's road back to Jesus is going to be through me. It's going to be through me. Now, keep in mind, me and Lisa have two more daughters. We have Rebecca. And then we, we have our youngest, Karis. And so it's three girls, a house full of estrogen. Um, and and I'm, the only, <laughs> I'm the only testosterone in the room. And the Lord tells me she's going to come back through you. So I had this mentality that I'd always keep the porch light on. So keeping the porch light on meant that there's, here's your light to come home. And so for me to keep the porch light on was always reconnecting with her. Even though I don't know what, where, where you've been. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know who you're with. It might not have been as bad as I thought it was. But I love you. I love you. I'd always reach out to her. And then about eight years ago, eight years ago, something miraculous happened. Mm. and we reconnected stronger than ever before. And um, she is a chip off the old block. She's like me. She's a salesperson by heart. She is doing, she's such a good mom. And so we fly back the kids uh, twice a year so they can stay around us. I wish they lived with us. I wish they lived in Hawaii, but they don't. They live in Portland. And um, so she's doing great. She's doing great. And I'm so, I couldn't be prouder. I don't even worry about her anymore. See, that's, that's really encouraging. I mean, it's for any parent listening where you think this is it, you know, and I think, you know, again, it's so interesting because I was definitely, you know, the prodigal daughter in my teen years. And I share this when I speak, Mike, uh, when Mm. I speak at women's conferences, you know, my mom and dad had no idea where I was going or headed out. You know, I was clubbing in Toronto and I was just like, I was a mess. But they just said we got on our knees and prayed every night. We had no idea, but we said, God, you love Melinda more than we do. Yeah. You want her safe, and so protect her. And 
so many stories of God intervening in insane ways at the club or with the taxi driver or with a policeman saying something walking by or a drunk, a drunk party goer saying something like over and over. And I realized that God mm. loves his kids and he will use any means to get their attention. And, and literally, you know, years later when I talked to my parents, they were like, yeah, we had no idea, but we just prayed. And we prayed that mm. if we couldn't get to you, Melinda, somebody would. And those yeah. somebody woulds did. Many signs yep. along the way. Um, and, and not conventional kind of church way. It wasn't like the pastor necessarily. Yeah, the, my pastors were. But random people got used to speak truth. So I love that That's awesome. that you're saying as far as you as a dad to say, you know, no matter what, I'm here. I'll always be here. Yeah. Porchlight is really yeah. amazing. Cause it's, it's this commitment to stay, to stay true and, and, and present and there no matter what. That's, that's a beautiful picture. It's a really beautiful. Thank picture. you. Yeah. Thank you. Amazing. Yeah. She's, I'm so thankful to God for what he did. Yeah. I love that. So here we are, you're, you know, you, you get married, you know, you're a sales guy and What's forming in you, it seems, as I've been sort of reading about you, is sort of this leadership and, and really um, inspiring people, you know, and especially with your new book, you know, of excellence and leading well and integrity and strength, like a lot of these things. Um, let's talk about that. I know for our viewers and listeners here at See Her Love, that's a big thing, like leading yourself mm -hmm. and others well. Um, leading with humility, with integrity, um, you know, leading teams. So I want to I want to spend some time on that because I think I'll learn okay. a lot from you, Mike, about that and and talking within like this excellence. And I love how you've used the story of Solomon and the Queen of Sheba because I always love scripture stories to kind of bring in into into some in, in leadership learning. So let's talk about a little bit about that. Maybe why now this this book, these thoughts, and then mm -hmm. let's talk a little bit about it because I'd love to learn. <clears throat> okay, um, so. I, I've always been intrigued by the story of uh, King Solomon and the wisdom that God gave him because he asked for everything different and God gave him what he didn't ask for and everything else to go along with that to boot. Um, but by the time the Queen of Sheba began to travel to Jerusalem, um, the, the, the country had been 20 years under Solomon's rule. Solomon had curated everything. Now, if we go back to First Kings, we remember that, this, that the city of Jerusalem, that gold was so plentiful. Uh, or silver was so plentiful that it was like pebbles all over uh, the stones on, on the pavement. And so when she gets there, she is in awe of everything she sees. She sees the way that his servants are car carry themselves. She sees the food on his table. She comes out with eight different, ten different things, observations that she gathers on this incredible trip. Now, keep in mind, Melinda, it would take probably three months for her to get from her kingdom in order to get to Solomon's with military escort in the front, all of the provisions, the food all the gifts and spices that she was bringing. I mean, she had, it was a momentous task that she was doing to go see about everything that she'd heard about. She had to see it, she had to hear it, and she walked away loving it, right? Hey, so, Mike. come on. Nice, come on. <laughs> so, so when she gets there, she is absolutely blown away. So we know that game recognizes game. So she, what she saw from her kingdom, looking into his kingdom, to impress a queen of another country is something else. Mm. So when she sees this, I walk away thinking to myself, okay, this, I've preached these principles to my staff on excellence. Here are some things that I, I took out of it. But right about November of 2019, I think, 2020, I start writing, said, you know, this has got to be a book. I'm launching a new Inspire Collective uh, for people in business. Um, I, this is going to be great. So I start writing this book. And then all of a sudden, it keeps dawning on me the more that I write that this is a site visit of grand proportions. This is like you taking your team or me taking my team or somebody taking a team to visit Elon Musk and see the SpaceX program, see how Teslas are built, and getting to pick Elon Musk's brain and see how he ticks and watch his whole operation and walk away. And you will be marked by that visit because you got to sit down with the, you know, one of the wealthiest men on earth right now. The same way that the Queen of Sheba, if not even greater, the impact because of the mm -hmm. city of God and everything that he built, everything that he did, everything that he curated. I said, this has got to be a book. And so I started saying to my church, you know, that doesn't just happen. Like this church, that doesn't just happen. That great business, that doesn't just happen. And so all of a sudden, the title, wow. it was harder to name my book 
didn't name my daughters, to be honest with you. I had like <laughs> seven, eight different agonizing <laughs> things about call this, what do I call this book? So I started calling it, that doesn't just happen. I almost called it build like Solomon, see like Sheba, but I don't think that would have flown for too long, but I liked it. Mm-hmm. It was catchy. I want to build like Solomon. And I want to take it in like the queen of Sheba. Mm-hmm. But then I started calling it, that doesn't just happen. And so customer service, creative adaptation, um, culture curation. So when I went to a church in Australia for the very first time, which is some of the greatest churches in the world, I walked away going, wait, what is it from that church that I could bring back to Hawaii and emulate and creatively adapt into my cultural context in order to become the church that God wanted us to be? And I think it's the same thing for today. We look at great business models. We look at great leaders. What can we learn from them and bring into our own context and adapt that to who we are, to who God wants us to be? Wow. That's, that's powerful. And I think I, I like this word, you know, excellence. I like, I like um, greatness. Like I, I think mm. how excellence accelerates everything. And, you know, I, I, it's, a good, it's a good statement because – Here's the thing I'm finding that, yeah, there are people that work with excellence and I see, I see that all around me, but I also see people that just want to pump out content or do things and it's not excellent. It, it's work that's not a hundred percent great. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I want to bring back, cause I think, you know, excellence is important. I think we, we need to kind of bring back, you know, that that we do everything with excellence with the best Mm -hmm. that we can bring the best that we can do but i just find that sometimes when i'm looking around in like society and culture it's more about just producing but not with excellence it do not do what i mean does that oh yeah a hundred percent so um excellence is not perfection because we'll never we'll never attain that so i don't expect perfection out of my team or out of myself but i i'm sure gonna try and so right now in the world of, oh, that's good enough, good enough, mm-hmm. especially yeah. in Hawaii, where we're more laid back than most cultures um, in America, um, to be an excellent, to handle customer service with excellence, to be able to handle our communication in, internally on our staff and then externally with every, everybody that we work with, you have to have excellent communication. I think right now, I've actually seen in where I live or even in my, my country, in America, I've seen the customer service drop to a point of almost like, well, you, like this, this, this is what you get. It's almost, almost entitlement, almost like, mm. uh, here, check the box, 10%, 15%, or 20% tip. And I'm like, wait, I walked up to the counter. And usually where I come from an old school restaurant background where I worked in the restaurants that you actually earned that 15% and you got blessed by 20% because you worked your – you're, you're, you worked your tail off in order mm-hmm. to serve someone with an excellent experience. Yeah. Um, but today it's, it's expected. It's expected that you're just going to give me a 10, 15 or 20% tip where all I did was turn around and I'm generous and I'm going to still give it. But also I've, I've watched how it's, it's dropped. Um, I think that when we approach everything with excellence, I think people who have an excellent attitude, who have an ex- excellent demeanor, those are the people that are going to be a cut above and they're the, they're the ones that are going to get hired and promoted. And so when the world is going good enough or this is what I have to offer, I think when I look at Daniel, right, Daniel in the Old Testament, Daniel, Daniel had an excellent spirit, right? To be able to handle all that change in government, all that regime change that went on and they were violent, violent changes that Daniel still held onto his integrity and still was able to serve four to five different kings mm. during those transitions. If I look at it's the people who handle themselves with excellence and integrity that are going to get promoted, that they're going to get noticed, that they're going to get seen. Even though if man doesn't see you, God sees you. We live in a world where uh, it's unfortunate, but it is the way that it is, that people judge a book by its cover. So you have one chance not just to make a first impression, but a lasting impression. Although you and I, we all believe that God looks at my heart. He loves my heart more than my exterior or my appearance but the world doesn't see it that way and so when we are in the world but not of the world we have to operate to to a certain degree um by the world's rules but where we opt well we work by god's rules but we also understand that we're working in a real world where people are actually judging us from the outside before they can get to know us from the inside Mm. 
So when we handle ourselves like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, like mm -hmm. Esther, and like Caleb with an excellent spirit, people keep people take notice. And um, even no matter what you do, where you are right now, that's, I think, accelerates everything. Mm -hmm. How do you get that? I mean, is it like as a parent of teenagers, I, we have a 14 and 17 year old, how do you start instilling that excellence and, you know, that integrity in them now? And then, so as a parent, but then as a leader, you know, instilling that, that in your team as well. I know that it starts with you. So let me start with parents. I think yeah. that's one that I, I'm fascinated with because if you can do it at home, then they're going to go out and be that wherever they go right wherever they okay yeah so this is a this is kind of a funny thing so i have all girls and uh my youngest is 16 and <clears throat> and i love my daughters and so um <laughs> i i'm like it, it's like this i don't preach perfection we tell them we, we have expectations but don't put unmet expectations and unset expectations on yourself um, because that's not coming from me and mom. We want you to know that we want you to do your best. Mm -hmm. And if you think that that was your best, then we're happy with that. But if you knew that you skated and you knew you could have done better, then, then you, you, that's up to you. But we also know that I have self-starters in my house. My youngest daughter, she's a self-starter. She's 16. Uh, never had to get her to do her homework. It was just maybe her demeanor. Um, maybe the way that she just does her makeup, but she would just do that. And um, so I'm grateful for that. So she makes sure that she's got all her stuff together before she gets out of the house and heads to school. So um, I've also had it when Courtney and Courtney, my oldest, when she was rebellious, she, you know, she had purple hair, blue hair. And, you know, now that's in back then it wasn't. Um, and she, you know, she was skater girl and her, 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 her pants were too low and she'd get written up and all that kind of stuff. And so I had, I had the spectrum of daughters on what they thought their level of good enough or excellence was. So when it comes to academics, Lisa and I definitely instill that and to the point where they can run on their own. And I'm grateful that Karis is at that. But on a funny note, there are times when, you know, Lisa, she doesn't, my, my wife is, take it, it is what it is. If you don't like it, don't worry about it. I, I'm not even b bothered. So there are times that she'll go to the store and my daughters will say, wait, you're going to the store, to the grocery store looking like that? And she'll be, she will be like, well, I don't really care. I'm just going in and out. So it's funny because on one sense, um, my daughters and myself, we wouldn't leave the house looking a certain way. Uh, but my wife, she has no problem going to the store and coming back looking the way that she's comfortable with. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that's, that helps or anything, but when it comes to raising the kids and it comes to our own household, we do have an internal standard. But then there are times when we really are fine with what we look like and who we are if we're just running to the corner grocery store. Mm -hmm. Now, when it comes to my staff, it's easier to instill excellence in my staff, honestly, than it is to be in my home because I don't live with them. I don't live with them 24-7. My daughters live with me 24-7. Mm -hmm. And so we all hold each other to a standard of excellence within our team. And within our team, it's when we have this saying, circle back, follow through, close the loop on our communication. Did you circle back? Did you follow through? Did you close the loop on that communication? Because we know that communication is so critical and trust is built on communication. When it comes to the appearance of our buildings, the appearance of, um, of, of things in the lobby, we want to handle everything with a culture of excellence. But we also want to keep the authenticity. Mm -hmm. We don't want to lose that. I guess our authentic self is me and Lisa getting out of the house and looking, who cares? Mm -hmm. Who cares? We're just going to the store. That's our authentic self. But we also realize that you can still have authenticity in the, in the journey of trying to achieve that level of excellence that you want. And our, our staff gets that. And there are times that we always have to be reminded. And even myself, I have to be reminded on that, that, that it has to be, we have to give our best effort mm -hmm. and put that forward because you never know who's, whose life it's going to touch. Yeah. You never know who's going to be impacted. Yeah. Mike, I like that. I think that it was important to hear about excellence and authenticity because, you know, authentic doesn't mean <laughs> we just sort of go with it and no one cares and we're our authentic self. This is who we are and we don't try. Right. We don't care. Right. We don't put in the work. But on the other hand, with excellence, you don't want it to be where it's all just a beautiful facade without, right. without kind of like the actual like meat <laughs> or the actual kind of you know, meaning behind it, that it's, it looks pretty, but there's, there's, there's nothing, it's like a shell. So like, I, yeah. I love that both it's, it's both. And, you know, the authenticity 
and excellence go hand in hand as we lead teams, as as we present, you know, the work that we do, and and even in you know even in ministry work and and what we do. Uh, Mike, what would you say to this? I mean, if you we're you know, a, a young woman is saying, okay, you know, I want to lead, I want to lead well, I want to lead with excellence, um, you know, I, I, I just want to be a really great leader, like following Jesus, mm-hmm. trying not to be a, too much of a people pleaser, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, trying to like stay true to the mission and vision that God has called me. What, what would you say maybe your top two or three you know, encouragements or tips to really encourage her. She's maybe beginning the journey of leadership. What would you say to her? Yeah, I would say um, to aspire to leadership is a great thing. Um, and um, and you're probably more of a leader than you realize that you are. Hmm. And it's based upon the people that follow you. Um, John Maxwell, one of my mentors says, of course, he says leadership is influence. Uh, I, I agree, but I'd like to take it another step further. I think leadership is all about your heart. And so... For the young lady that's starting off, um, I know the complexities because I have young ladies in my house. I know what it's like to um, worry about what other people think about you, um, what they say about you, um, what your appearance is, and um, and everybody's got a filter on their phone, and everybody's a model today. And I want you to realize that God is, even though you want to happen, you want to work things out with excellence, but I want you to know that God cares. He truly does truly does, he cares about excellence, but he really cares more about you, that he loves your heart. He wants to see you on this journey. And on this journey of leadership, what you're going to discover is it gets difficult. There are going to be times that you can't please everybody. There are going to be times that you said too much or you didn't say enough. There's times that you were, um, there are going to be times where you're going to be um, hated on because of how great you are, because you're going to, you're going to move ahead. In a world where people are pulling each other down and, uh, and, and are louder than ever before, don't let those voices stop you from becoming the person that God called you to be. So number one, it's your heart. Mm-hmm. Your heart is the most important thing. Um, your heart it can be deceitful, like my heart can be deceitful according to scripture. But also, also your, when you clean your heart, when you get your heart cleansed, when you go through all that healing that we all need, then God can continue to use you for even greater things than ever before. Man looks at the outer appearance, but God looks at the heart. This is the one where it fits perfectly. Mm. The second thing is, I would say, I'd say read. Read voraciously. Podcasts, awesome. But get a diet of books. Get great books. Books impacted my life at 21. Before I became a senior pastor of a church, a youth pastor before that, I was a voracious reader. Um, I've heard it said that readers are leaders and leaders are readers. And if you ain't reading, you're probably not leading. So find yourself See, here, love. Go read that book. Um, go read books like Perfectly You by my wife and overcoming her, um, her, her um, insecurities that we all have. I think men should read it. Um, go get books like books like I read, like Melinda, I read um, Tough Times Never Last But Tough People Do by the great Dr. Robert Schuller. That book impacted me. The greatest salesman in the world by Og Mandino had nothing to do with sales but everything to do with God doing something in your life. Um, books will shape you. Keep reading. Read a chapter a night. Number one, your heart. Number two, books. And third thing I would say is have fun. Mm-hmm. Have fun and be willing to stay flexible because you never know. Like I thought I was going to be in business and a millionaire. Um, I thought I was going to be running a corporation or a sales company or you know commercial real estate. Little did I know that while I was meeting with Pastor Ralph Moore, while he was sussing me out before I got married to Lisa and taking me out to breakfast because she was on staff, <laughs> that he was actually discipling me at McDonald's every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. And I thought he was just checking me out to see if I was legit. Um, but he actually had other plans for my life to become a pastor one day. And I was like, me? I want you to realize that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can comprehend. My favorite verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can comprehend the things that God has for those of them who love him. Mm-hmm. And you know what? My translation is, let God blow your mind. Let him blow your mind. Let him show you things that you've never seen before. Work on the heart. Mm-hmm. Keep that clean at all times. Read books like nobody's business. And... uh let God blow your mind. Amazing. 
Mike Clegg, thank you so much. Um, everybody needs to pick up your latest book, That Doesn't Just Happen, How Excellence Accelerates Everything. Uh, we could talk for hours. There's so much more I want to chat with you about blended family and girls and having, you know, all kinds of things. So I uh, really appreciate you taking the time um, out. And maybe I'll meet you at some karaoke thing, singing, singing our song. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe you'll speak in a conference in Hawaii one day that my wife has called Arise. And, um, and we can introduce the two of you. Yeah, and she's got some... She's got some blended stories, um, <laughs> stories to tell. Uh, I would love and, that. Yeah. I'd love to talk about when, when things, you know, open up here on our side, I, it would be so great. And maybe we can have you guys come on up to Canada because it's a great country and so many wonderful, amazing people up here. So it'd be great to host you guys here too sometime. So Mike, thank you thank again. Thank you, Melinda. And uh, yeah, we'll be in touch for sure. So thanks. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Melinda. It's been a, it's been a pleasure. God bless you. God bless you too. A great conversation with Mike Kai, and I really loved his last three encouragement to us about being an excellent leader. Uh, it's about heart. It's about your heart towards God. Uh, I think heart meaning your motivation and choosing to be authentic and open and living open-handed. I like the second one is read. I, okay, I was about to joke because I was like, that is what I say. Readers are leaders, leaders are readers. And so read, 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 and third, let God blow you away. And I think I what I took from that is that God has blown Mike away in even from specifically asking for a partner and spouse and finding and finding her to just the work that he's doing was really amazing. So I hope that conversation encouraged you in excellence, in just the journey that God has has you on and that knowing that he is with you. I think with Mike as a single dad, I don't think he ever knew that he'd be in this place um, so many years later. And also I love the part about friendship, that we need friends. We need a community to, to <laughs> maybe force us to church or to live life together and help one another. So uh, make sure you check out his book, uh, the, That Doesn't Just Happen, How Excellence Accelerates Everything. And uh, thanks for joining us. And always know, as you lead, uh, as you may be struggling with your teenager, um, if you're struggling today just in your own own life, I um, want you to know this, the truth that we always say here at See Here Love, that you are seen, you are heard, and you are deeply loved by God, the God who is for you, the God who has great plans for you, the God that, that sees your potential. So don't give up. Don't give up today. Uh, lean in, stay close to him. Thanks for joining us and um, hope to be with you in our next podcast episode. We'll see you then. Thank you for your ongoing support of Crossroads, a supporter-funded nonprofit organization and member of the Canadian Centre for Christian Charities. Thanks to faithful people like you, we are able to continue producing See Here Love. You can write to Crossroads, P.O. Box 5100, Burlington, Ontario, L7R, 4M2, or visit crossroads.ca to learn more about our programs.